G'day and welcome to the podcast of Outpost Church in McLaren Vale. We hope you find this encouraging. Well, good to see everyone tonight. I'm excited to be bringing the word. Um, one of those things where I was just kind of praying and figuring out what I wanted to share on and then just felt really strongly, just a really simple, just gentle reminder from Jesus, an invitation to press more into knowing him and knowing every part of him and taking the time to, to do that um, and feeling as though that's something that he has for all of us and he has for us collectively, individually and collectively, um, which is really important. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight is just the importance of knowing Jesus and actually knowing the real Jesus um, and building on more of our understanding of who he is. So I'm going to pray to kick off and then um, we'll get started. Yeah, Lord, we just thank you that you're here. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you in and we just want to know more of you tonight. Thank you for what a privilege it is to to know you, that that's actually your heart for us, your desire is that we should know you, the full you. And yeah, Lord, we just turn our attention to you right now. We put aside any distractions and we lift our eyes to you, God. Pray that you'd be speaking to us and encouraging every one of us. And yeah, thank you, Lord. Amen. So a lot of you know, if you know me, that I um, work for myself at the moment. So I work in marketing, I'm a copywriter. And before I was working for myself, I was working for like a business coach um, up until about November last year. And definitely since I've been working for myself, but even when I was working in an office with other people, a huge part of the work that I do is virtual, which since COVID, we all know that pretty well, what it's like to jump on a Zoom call with someone. It's not a foreign concept to us anymore. Um, But it's so interesting how easy it is when you are working with people virtually to build this understanding of who they are when you really don't know that much about them. When you're in an office with someone, you kind of fill in all these blanks for their personality and their character and you know like what cup of tea they like to drink and you know what photos are on their desk and you know what they did on the weekend but it's kind of weird to end like a zoom meeting with just really quickly like what's your favorite flavor of ice cream like it's just weird you you don't get that information out of people and so we just kind of fill in the blanks ourselves right we come up with these ideas of of who people are And there was this one guy that I used to work with and when I first started, it was basically his role to train me up and he had heaps of experience in marketing and I was pretty green and so it was his job. Anytime I wrote anything, I had to give it to him and he had to give me his feedback. And um, to put it nicely, he was a very blunt person in the way that he gave his feedback and it was one of those things where every time you gave him something, it would just feel like you're just being ripped to shreds whenever he gave it back, like his feedback was just so blunt Um, And he'd write, one time he wrote, you know, I used to write like that too, but now I write like this. Like, just anything he'd say, just make you answer like, because I'm an idiot. Or he'd be like, I was talking to someone about the other day, I think it was to Aaron saying like a bit of a power move, like whenever he'd give me feedback, instead of being like, I'd recommend putting that bit of copy up the top of the work, he'd be like, why wouldn't you put that at the top? 
So the only thing you can answer is, because I'm an idiot, like, because I'm stupid. Like, that's the only response that his, like, feedback would kind of, yeah, evoke in you. And so I only knew his voice. We would only talk via Skype, like, just messaging each other. I'd give him work. I'd hear his voice back. And I built this whole idea of who he was, like, based on the way that he would write feedback in a Google Doc, which is not very healthy, but it made me think that he was quite aggro, that he wasn't really interested in me, that he had better things to do than be reading my awful work that I'd spent hours on. But then I started to get to know him that little bit better and we started to do like video calls. So twice a week we'd jump on and we'd do like a Zoom meeting and be like training and feedback and all of that kind of stuff. And it just added this whole new dimension to my understanding of who this guy was. And when I'd give him the work, I'd be able to watch him like live reacting to what I was what I was giving him and so I'd see him smiling and I'd see him nodding and then the feedback he'd give would just be like ripping it to shreds but I'd see all of that stuff before he got to that point which was really helpful because it was like oh cool so that part maybe wasn't trash because he nodded there and I it's so helpful I think any of us that have been on like zoom calls and stuff like that over the past year or so like it just adds this whole new Um, like dimension to virtual kind of back and forth because you're just staring at someone's face for an hour and seeing all of their non-verbal cues and all of that. So that really helped me get more of an understanding of who this guy was. I knew his voice, I knew his face, but that still was pretty much the limit of my understanding of who this guy was. And then we went on a trip together. So a group of about 12 of us went over to the US a couple years ago And we were holding a conference over there and me and this guy were both speaking at this conference. And then after that had ended, we went to New York. There was a group of that 12 of us and we went to New York and it was like this ridiculous, all expenses paid trip to New York. So we were just milking that for all it was worth. We were like, sure thing, we'll go to... Um, Broadway, we'll go to the ice hockey, we'll go to all these different things, like just trying to live it up, this whole experience. And part of that, which I lasted like two days of doing it, the other girls lasted the whole week, was like, let's get dinner at nine o'clock at night and then let's go dancing, like really late at night. And I was like, no, I'm good. That's way too late for me. I want to be in bed by 10. (laughs) But we went to this um, really fun, like, dance clubs at nighttime. And there was one that we went to that was, like, outside of town. And we went through this, like, Mexican restaurant, through their kitchen, like, down these stairs. And then we were in this, like, underground club with all this Spanish music playing and it was dark and there was all these beautiful people dancing around each other and it was like a movie, like it was such a ridiculous experience. But we got to see this guy who all of us just knew as like the pretty, not really that interested guy on Zoom, to see him like boogieing away in a New York nightclub, to see him like dancing around and um, having a good time. And it was like this whole extra um, like, dimension to who this guy was. And over that trip, like not just that, but anything we were doing, we were getting to know like his passions and we got to know about his family and his background and to actually understand his heart and who he was as a person. And so when I got back from that trip, And I'd spend hours writing work and then I'd give it to him and he would give me his blunt feedback back. I knew that he wasn't actually an an aggro person. I knew he wasn't uninterested. I just knew that that was kind of the way that he delivered feedback and he was actually really smart and he had so much experience to give and, you know, like I understood this whole picture of who he was. Does that make sense? And I think unless we know those three things, like we know someone's voice, 
we know their face and we know their heart, it's really easy to build up this picture of them that isn't accurate, right? And we, when we do that, really dangerous things can happen because we put we fill in the blanks, right? We put our own experiences, or we put our own expectations or like we put words into their mouths and we have arguments with them even though they're not even in the room or we put thoughts into their head and think like if they've said this thing but I don't know their heart, I assume that they think the same way that I think and I would never do that and so you get offended from people even though that was never their intention. And so much offence can come. And it's even more dangerous when the subject of that misunderstanding is Jesus, right? The Bible says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And so he actually wants to be known by us. He wants us to know his whole self. But when we, take, we don't take the time to know him, to know all of him, we build this picture of him in our minds that isn't accurate and we get annoyed <laughs> at him for things that he never said were his, his fault, right? Or we, we have expectations of him or we, have, um, we think that he says things or that he should have said things that, yeah, he never, he never put out for, for us to assume that of him in the first place. We have to know the voice, the face, the heart of Jesus, the whole Jesus to be able to really confidently approach him as our father, as our friend. And that's kind of what I want to touch on is boldly approaching the throne of Jesus and the fact that we need to know who we're approaching to be able to do that boldly, right? Boldly means with confidence. We know what we're getting into when we approach the throne of Jesus. We know that we're allowed to be doing that, coming up to him, and we need to know his full self to do that, right? It's like if I told you right now that if you were to walk through that door, you would either get a lovely, warm bear hug from Scotty or Shane would punch you in the face. How boldly are you going to approach that door? Right? Like Scotty's hugs are really nice. They're warm. But if you run the risk of being punched in the face, you're probably not going to like burst through that door just in case something good might happen. And it's easy to think that of God, that we have those two options, that he's both good and really harsh and he's both loving but also wants to punish us with bad things. Like we can't boldly approach a God who contradicts himself in his nature, right? So we're going to jump into Hebrews. And I think, obviously, one of the best ways to know these parts of God is to get into his word. And so we're going to be doing that a little bit tonight. I'm just going to be looking at a little bit of Hebrews, picking from a few different chapters. And I encourage you, encourage you to fill in the blanks and read the rest. But, you know, all of scripture tells us so much about who Jesus is. But we're going to start by talking about his voice. So turning to Hebrews, if you've got a Bible, I recommend opening it up. Hebrews chapter 1, just from verse 1. Um, I've got a different translation to you, sorry. It's really annoying, but you'll be right. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he's spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he'd cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honour at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. So right from the get-go, long ago God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets 
And now in these final days, he's spoken to us through his son. So that just affirms and we can have confidence that God is speaking to us through Jesus, right? We know that he wants to speak to us through Jesus. And we know that in the same way that he used his prophets to communicate his exact word, he's using Jesus now to do that too. It's not like they have two different things they want to say to us. It's not like God says one thing and Jesus says another. They're one and the same. And Jesus came to be the expression of God's character. We know that he's speaking to us and that he wants to speak to us. And so we have to desire and crave and seek out that voice of Jesus, right? We can't let ourselves get hard and jealous or get confused when it seems like other people are hearing the voice of God or like he's speaking to some people but not to us. We know from his word that he wants to speak, that Jesus is speaking, and it's an invitation to get hungry to find his voice. If we're struggling to hear it, like let's look for it. Let's give him opportunity to actually speak. Let's listen for what it is that he's actually saying and get back into his word. In John chapter 10, I'll just read a little bit from there as well, um, from verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they know me. Sorry, they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. As followers of Jesus, you know, we're told to be his sheep. We're told to follow him, to learn his voice, to listen to what it is that he has to say. And that scripture's cool. Last week during um, kids' church, we were dissecting a passage with the kids and accidentally dissected the wrong passage with the kids and it was not what you guys were talking about in here. It was a much more intense, takes a lot more thought kind of passage for the kids to be interpreting and communicating their own words. And But there was one bit though that um, it was, I think it was Asher or Willem, um, they're not here tonight, but they, I think it was Willem, he rewrote in his own words the first three verses. He just wrote them as one verse because he said those three verses like all say the same thing basically. So I'm just going to write them as one verse. I was like, oh, interesting. Like why do you think that Jesus repeated himself three times if he was trying to say the same thing? And him and Asher were both so excitedly just like, because it's important. Like Jesus repeats himself when something's important. It was such a good like insight from the kids. And I think that's the same in that. It's saying so many times, like, they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. My father's given them to me. He's more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from my father's hand. The father and I are one. That's important because he's said it multiple times. That's just kind of a side thought. So the voice of Jesus is the word of God right? It's here in the scriptures. It's what we have access to. It's what you're probably holding in your hands or it's in your pocket. We can access the voice of God whenever we want by reading the Bible. And we can learn the voice of Jesus by studying his word and getting to know what it is that he says, right? It sounds so simple, but if we're wondering where God is, like where he's speaking, what he's saying, the answer is that it's in the scriptures, right? He's speaking to us through that. And, you know, like Chad talked about at DTW and all of that. Well, of course, not every scripture is what is it, for you, but it's all not written for you. Yeah, exactly. It's not written to you, but it's for you. So we need to get into his word. 
But Jesus also speaks to us. His voice also comes to us through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. It always blows my mind when I just spend any time reflecting on the fact that the Spirit of God is who we have living inside us. It's not like a watered-down, light version of God that he's given to us that we can understand in human lenses. It's the actual Spirit of God that's living in us, that we have access to, that can be speaking to us, that can be giving us insight on the heart of God, on the character of God, on what it is that Jesus is saying. And we need to access that gift that we have, which was just a free gift, right? We have the Holy Spirit. But it's also not enough to only know Jesus' voice. There is so much power in Scripture, but on its own, like we need to know everything else that comes with it. We can't just pull out different bits that Jesus said because some of his words can be quite jarring, right? The Jesus that said, eat my flesh, drink my blood, chop off your hand and your foot if, it's, if you sin, right? It's a very different Jesus that's like, as the Father has loved me, so I love you. Abide in my love, right? Those seem like very different Jesuses. And so that's why we need to know the whole Jesus and we can't just know his voice. So let's have a look at knowing the face of Jesus. So I'm going to read now from Hebrews chapter 2. Should just be probably on the same page. Verse 9. Verse 9 to verse 13. So, what we do see is Jesus, who for a little while was given a position a little lower than the angels. And because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honour. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader to bring them into their salvation. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy, which is us, have the same father. That's why Jesus is not ashamed to call them, which is us, his brothers and sisters. For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. He also said, I will put my trust in him, that is I and the children God has given me. Jesus became human. And, you know, back in chapter 1, we learn that Jesus radiates God's glory, that he expresses the very character of God. And, you know, he's the image of the invisible God, but he's still human. He had to become human. And we need to relate to him as God, as holy and as worthy, but also as like us. Jesus wants to be accessible. He wants to be approachable. You know, as a person, I don't know how you imagine Jesus, but I just cannot imagine anyone more warm and attractive and just magnetic to be around. Like, imagine just never wanting to leave his presence, right? In Corinthians, it talks about, like, the glory that Moses, you know, when Moses was in God's presence, his face shone so brightly that he had to, like, cover it with a veil. But the glory that we have now is an even more glorious glory, if Moses' face was shining just from being in the presence of God, like, what was it like for God to walk as a man on the earth? Like, what did his face look like, right? To know him as a man and to, to be aware of who he is and how approachable he is. And there's also so much significance to the fact that he had to become a man, right? If we keep reading from verse 14, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood, for only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. 
Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We know that the son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. There he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he's able to help us when we are being tested. We need to know that Jesus was a man and he's not anymore and he's been glorified and he's in a different position, but he became like us for a reason so that he could deal with the things that we deal with, right? So that he could understand us so that we could actually have connection with us and he accomplished everything that he needed to as a human, right? We need to know what Jesus faced being, we need to know Jesus' face. We need to know that as a man, what that means for our salvation and what that means for our freedom and means for our lives now we need to know his voice because we need to know and understand why he has the authority to be telling us the things that he's telling us in the scriptures we need to understand his power and knowing his face knowing what he did knowing yeah what he did to purchase our freedom it's just so important to boldly approach him we need to know the Jesus that we're approaching we need to know his face but we also need to know his heart I'm talking about all these three things tonight and I think that they're all really equal because even on its own, you know, knowing his heart, we can't know his heart fully if we don't know his face and we don't know his voice. And that is a really dangerous trap that I think a lot of us can fall into. We can think that we know the heart of God, but maybe it's not the real heart of God. We can make assumptions about who he is and what he wants and the things that we'd say and that's when we live like Christians or we live like good people Because we know that God, you know, has a loving heart. Unless we know his voice, unless we know his intentions, it might not be accurate. We need to know why Jesus said the stuff that he said, especially the controversial stuff. We need to know his heart behind telling us not to do things. We need to know his heart behind telling us to do things. We need to know why Jesus became a man, right? Why did he die? Why did he raise from the dead, right? Why is that relevant and his heart, oh, his heart is like his will. I just, I'm not settled to the fact that the will of God is this big mystery. It's revealed in Jesus. He wants himself and his desires and his heart to be known by us. Our lives aren't this, you choose option A or you choose option B. One of them's the will of God. And if you choose wrong, well, good luck to you, buddy. Like that's not his heart. That's not his intention. He's made his intentions available to us through Jesus. And he wants us to know his will and his desire. We're going to jump to chapter four now in Hebrews and read a little bit about the heart of God. Um, this one we're going to read is a bit of a longer one just to prepare you going to read from chapter 4 verse 14 all the way through to chapter 5 verse 10. So then, since we have a high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. So in this bit, we're explaining what it means for Jesus to be our high priest. 
The high priest presents their gifts to God and he offers sacrifices for their sins. And he is able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people because he himself is subject to the same weaknesses. That's why he must offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as theirs. And no one can become a high priest simply because he wants such an honour. He must be called by God for this work, just as Aaron was. That is why Christ did not honour himself by assuming he would become high priest. No, he was chosen by God who said, You are my son, today I have become your father. And in another passage, God said to him, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Verse 8, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest and he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And God designated him to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Jesus understands our weakness, right? To approach him boldly means we're approaching someone who gets it. His heart is gracious. That's what it says, that we're approaching a gracious high priest, right? A gracious God. That his heart is to give us mercy, to give us grace when we need it most. We know that Jesus, his heart is that he deals gently with ignorant and wayward people. He's the ultimate high priest, so that's part of him as well. He has a deep reverence for God. Jesus just respects his father. Jesus is just. In chapter 1, it talks about that he's a just king, a just ruler, He loves justice. He hates evil. He's kind. He's gentle. He's strong. You know, all of these things which we learn from the scriptures and we learn from Holy Spirit and we learn from one another, like the heart of God, it just changes everything, right? To actually know his heart, to know his intention. We need to filter our understanding through his actual heart, not just what we think um, his intentions would be. And I don't know about you, but... I don't want to waste any time following a counterfeit Jesus that I've built up in my mind. Because when push comes to shove, when we don't know the real Jesus, everything else falls down, right? When someone gets sick or when something really hard happens or when we're walking through just a really challenging Jesus and we assume that Jesus could have fixed it, so that means that he's not. Or we assume parts of his character because maybe it makes us feel better. That's one option. It's not super encouraging a lot of the time. It doesn't actually give us the closure we need. But, you know, when we know his voice, we know what he says about sickness. We know what he says about darkness. We know that he actually gives his followers the authority and the power over demons and over sickness. So why would he why would he tell his followers to go destroy something that he created and he wanted in the first place, right? We need to know the voice of Jesus. Or when we know his face or him as a man walking around on earth, what he actually did with his time on earth, we know that he was a healer, that that was his intention. And we know that his heart is to bring life and not death. You look at like Psalm 103, 
everything about the heart of God there. Forget not his benefits, who forgives your sins, who heals your diseases, who pulled your life out from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you so that your youth is renewed. It goes on. Like, we need to know that heart of Jesus. And when we know that, it changes our perspective on hard stuff that we go through or the battles that we face because we know the Jesus that's actually championing us, that's on our side, that's fighting with us, not against us. Right? When we're challenged to stand for something or against something, like a lot of us have done over the last few weeks with the abortion bill, with a lot of things that are coming out. If we don't know the full Jesus, if we only know what we think we know about his love, you know, God's a God of love, it's really easy to bend to what the world tells you is the most loving thing to do. But the voice of Jesus matters. What he has to say about different things and his heart behind what he has to say, we need to know that full Jesus to be able to actually boldly approach him. Almost finished, but you know, when I was submitting my work to be criticized by this guy that I used to work with, I used to be really reluctant. Probably fair enough, but I'd spent so much time on it. I spent hours. And I wouldn't be writing it for like, how can I write this so that it's the best final result? And like, how can I write this so that it's something that he would like to read? And I'd spent all these times, but then I'd, you know, get destroyed anyway and I'd be crushed. But when I knew more about this guy, when I knew what he said, that it was quite blunt, but I also knew his face and I knew his heart. He'd still rip me to shreds, but I wasn't surprised anymore. And I actually, it was a lot more of a productive relationship because I could see that what he was saying, I was able to spin that and actually make gold and it was able to actually make me better, right? And God isn't like that. He doesn't rip us to shreds. But if we think he will, like how will that affect our ability to come to him, right? How will it affect our, our ability to boldly approach him? Like I said, if you're going to walk through that door and shame was going to punch you in the face, you wouldn't walk through the door. Even if there was this like lottery possibility that God was going to be kind to you, sorry, that shame was going to be kind to you, right? You still would, you'd be reluctant in your ability to just boldly approach that. But when we know the full Jesus and we understand who he is and we understand this full picture of God that he wants us to know, that he's made available to us, it means that we can come to him so much more confidently and we can actually get what we need because it's not just about coming to God. That's not the only step there. We come and we give him adoration and worship and we lay our lives down and we love him when we come to him and we get what we need from him. He does want to give us what we need. We get the peace that we need. We get the wisdom that we need. We get the answers and the rest and all of those things that we need. So we need to know the full Jesus. We need to read his word. We need to spend time with him, just some practical ways that we can get to know this a little bit more. We need to spend time with one another. We need to study what he does. We need to listen to his voice. We need to treat him like any other relationship, right? We can't speak to him once and then be annoyed when, you know, he doesn't speak back for weeks on end. Like we need to be connecting with him and like, you know, abiding in him, building this relationship with him. Because it's so worth it. This full Jesus that we get to follow, the real Jesus, is just so worth our time and so worth our attention. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to spend some more time in worship. And um, yeah. Thank you, Jesus, just for your love, for your heart, for this simple promise that you do want to be known. And thank you for making yourself so available to us. 
We just want to receive more of your heart. We want to know more of what it is that you have to say over our own lives and our own situations and over us as outposts as well. What your voice is saying about McLaren Vale right now, God. We want to know your heart and your voice and what it is that you have to bring right now. We just love you. We love spending time with you and we thank you for the privilege that it is to be able to do that. Yeah, God, we just give you our worship now. Amen.